Welcome to On the Edge with April Mahoney Brains. You hit the spot. The place where the conversation is pointed, the guests are sharp, and the responses are never dull. Put your thinking caps on, because the conversation starts now. Hmm. So you are the Divorce Academy Consultant Extraordinaire. Well, I don't know about extraordinary. Some say I have my PhD in divorce. I'm not sure if that's a good thing, April, or that's a bad thing, but that's what I do. Well, you know what? Um, It's about consciously uncoupling. That's the new trendy term. And can people consciously uncouple? There's so much emotion involved in this. It is so much passion, money, control, the kids. You know, and then how do you come out sane on the other side? People really need to consult with a smart, heady woman like Paulette Rigo, right? Am I saying your last name correctly? It's it's a Rigo. Just pretend Rigo. it's letter E. Okay, Paulette the Rigo. Italians do that. They they mess. You know, it's a Rigo. I know married name. Sorry. It's love. <laughs> okay, well, we don't want to divorce that name. <laughs> no, no, this is the second one. The first one was much longer. Well, we're going to talk about that and more here on the Edge. Brains, welcome to On the Edge with April Mahoney and Paulette Rigo. We're going to talk about the big D, divorce. Okay, but how to strategically navigate something as intimate as this you have to have a strategy hopefully better than the one that you had when you got into it on how to get out of it separating the assets nor where all the bodies are buried brains you know folks be hiding money and the extra kids and all that kind of stuff we're going to talk about that but also uh we're going to talk about her books she is the author of two books we want you to tap into those resources. So let's welcome her to the edge. How are you, Paulette? I am well, April. It's such an honor to be here with you today. I've been looking forward to our conversation. I know. Well, it's going to be hot and heavy. See, I've been married to Mr. Magnificent for 39 years. And I am in love and I'm happy. I told him the other day, I said, I got to get a hold of myself. I said, because I am in love with you. <laughs> but I couldn't even imagine you know, uh, separating assets, a life that we've built together for four decades, you know, how my children will feel, even grown, you know, it's impactful to them. Right. Um, And then rebuilding my life, having a sense of purpose, not losing my identity. A lot of people don't have that. Getting over maybe domestic violence or, you know, sexual indiscretions or finding out your partner is somebody that you didn't think that they were all the time. It's a lot to consider. How did you find yourself in this space helping this, you know, this genre and this population of people going through divorce? I had absolutely zero, and I do mean zero interest in doing this work. I was not that little girl that said, I want to be an attorney. I want to hang out with people that are in need of help uh, disentangling their marriage. I didn't even know that was a thing, April. I had no idea. I went to school for journalism, worked in TV, radio, media. 
uh, ran a performing arts studio. I modeled. I was a birth doula, a lactation consultant, a yoga teacher trainer, a macrobiotic cook. I've done a lot of crazy <laughs> things in my life. Um, good things, like, you know, different, varied, and hugely diverse, but things that really brought me satisfaction and and a feeling of helping others. But it wasn't until I started this career that I truly felt my calling. I found this work, um, well, should we rephrase that? It found me. I personally endured an eight and a half year fully litigated divorce case that included a 12 day trial and that 12 days. Wait, 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 wait. Let me back up. This was your personal experience? Uh-huh. Me, myself, and I. Eight years? Eight and a half, to be exact. Who's counting? Uh, eight and a half years is what the uh, litigation process took. And it included a 12-day trial. And the 12-day trial took place over nine months. Mm. And unfortunately, there's a part two to that. There was an additional four-year appellant court process after the trial and all of that preparation. And now that's really, really rare. So everybody take a deep breath. Don't panic. If you're thinking that divorce may or may not, I'm not pro-divorce. I'm not pro-litigation. I'm not anti-marriage. Don't get me wrong. I'm actually happily remarried. Now, I, I don't know if I'll ever get to the 38 years, April, because I'll be 100 and, you know, something if that happens. Uh, but with number so, two. So many people have told me that we have trans, transcended through time with one another. But that's, I love that. But I'm, I love just, that. I'm just overwhelmed with the numbers. You know, I, I thought, yeah. I don't know what I thought. I thought maybe... You file, you go to court, you separate the assets, you're done with each other in 12, 18 months. My goodness, did you have like a billion dollars? What what took so long? You know, that's a really interesting um, assumption, right? That this would be a case where there would be, you know, billions of dollars or, you know, whatever the amount is, a lot of money. And that there would be some sort of complicated web of, of business entities that the two of us were involved in, or, you know, a, a lot of um, complex litigated issues. And to be perfectly honest with you, no. Um, yes, it was a long-term marriage. Uh, and what's a long-term marriage? Well, in the eyes of most proceedings, if you've been married 20 years, your marriage is considered long-term. There's my little quotes there. Now, um, so yours is a very long-term, right? So, you know, zero to 10 years is considered shorter, 10 to 20 medium and 20 plus would be considered long. Now, in a, a long-term marriage that has children, there are four things the courts care about as far as how to, make your decisions and the uh, different buckets that the courts are concerned with. Number one, A, is legal custody. One, B, is physical custody. So decision-making and where do they sleep in, a, in normal speak, right? Custody. And if they're 18 and they've graduated from high school in the court's eyes, it doesn't matter. They're not the concern of the courts anymore. Good to know. 
If uh, you do have children that are 18 and have not graduated from high school, number two comes into play with child support. Every state has a child support worksheet, calculator, site that is an obligation and needs to be worked out based on gross monthly income of both parties and basically who's paying for health insurance. Number three is the equitable division of marital assets and debt. Now, we do have a few states in the United States, everyone, if you're in another country, but in the U.S., uh, some of our states are called community property. Mm -hmm. A few of them, not that many. I think there's 10 or 11. And then the rest are equitable division. So what does that mean? Community property, it's 50-50. And if it's equitable, well, there's a little bit more wiggle room as to how to equitably divide the marital assets and debt. So assets could be checking, savings, marital home, furnishings, vehicles, pension, 401k, investments, you name it, any sort of asset. And a debt could be student loans, credit cards, mortgage, IRS, you know. You know what you have, or maybe you don't, which is what makes complicated divorce cases. And lastly is spousal support. Now that used to be called alimony. If you still want to call it alimony, be my guest. But typically it is now called child support and spousal support. And that's at the discretion of a judge, length of marriage, and based on need and ability to pay. There is no spousal support calculator like there is for child support. Mm. Now, to answer your question, were there billions of dollars and why, why did it take so long? Well, some people like to be transparent and fill out the domestic relations financial affidavit, be cooperative, be amicable, be communicative, understand that there's a rule, a rules and processes of divorce. And whether you like it or not, it is essential and required of you if you're litigating, uh, to follow them. And if you're not cooperating, it gets very long. So it takes two people to get married and it takes two people to get divorced. It takes some cooperation. Because you need your attorneys on both sides. Well, that is true. Although as a private mediator, I help couples pre all of that privately mediate to create a conversation as a neutral party to help them stay in control of the process to create all of those buckets that we talked about so that they now have a plan and agreement that can be written up as a memorandum of understanding, which becomes a memorandum of agreement once signed that's given to an attorney in an uncontested case where the attorney now acts more as a transaction attorney to write up the paperwork in the Latin required documentation to submit to the court so that you can avoid ever having to step foot in a courthouse. It saves a ton of money. It does. And I mean, that's brilliant. That's brilliant. Now, do you work, what state are you in now? I live in Georgia, but the work that I do as a private mediator, right now I have clients in 43 states. Uh, and as a certified divorce coach, I don't give legal advice. And I I work as a quarterback. I'm going to call it a cheerleader. You know, for all our sports fans out there, even if you're not, you get the visual where I hold hands 
lock arms with one of the parties and kind of walk through the fire with them so they're able to save money, a ton of money and a lot of heartache and bad decision-making and time stuck in the litigated process. Like yeah, I did. Because that that's really where a lot of the money goes is that you have to pay for discovery, depositions, filings and all that. And that, yes. and that creates more angst, you know, because you know that you have that. Another thing that you didn't mention was legal fees. Mm-hmm. I hear that people, you know, they go after the other party for their legal fees. True. They're asking the courts for the courts to award them legal fees, which means that they want their spouse to pay not only their legal fees, but their legal fees, right? So they're asking for them to to take the burden of the whole thing. Part, Part of that makes total sense. Sometimes it does, sometimes it doesn't. And when it comes down to why litigation is so expensive, first of all, one is the plaintiff. And one is the defendant. And just that language alone, April, right? I mean, if I said, well, no, no, I I was, I was confused. I just want to stop you right there. I didn't know that that was the same language that was used in a divorce court, a plaintiff and a defendant. I thought that they were on equal footing and, you know. I could show you, although I'd have to white out the names, hundreds of petitions, or in some states, they're called complaints. Petition, complaint, it's the same thing. One person has made the decision, or both, but one has to take the, what's the old expression, the bull by the horns, Mm -hmm. and take the action. That's sometimes why a lot of spouses stay together for the children, or they just live in relationship ambivalence or limbo, because one or both of the parties is just not willing to take any action. Maybe it's cultural, maybe it's financial, maybe it's religion. It could be fear there's a long list of reasons why people say stuck in unhappy marriages but if one of the parties makes that decision that they are going to take action and they can go down to the courthouse by themselves pay a 250 dollars filing fee fill out the petition or complaint themselves they now are labeled the plaintiff and that person is has to write their, I'm going to call it a laundry list, their list of things they want, their complaint, their plea, as it's called. What are the things that they want? And those would be the categories of things that we talked about, about custody and child support and division of assets and debt and alimony. And once they have that, their spouse is served either digitally or in person, old school, ding dong, knock on the door, right? And they are now the defendant and they have 30 days to reply or respond to the plea. And all of a sudden, whether people realize it or not, you are now embroiled, entangled in a lawsuit. Right, and you have no way out. I mean, you can't just say, oh, I don't want to play. I don't want to do this. I notice now, it used to be back in the day when people had divorces, that they had to give a specific reason. Now I see that there is a blanket uh, term of irreconcilable differences. That could mean a whole host of things. That just means I want out. 
<laughs> you know, we're not getting along. I don't like them. They've cheated, whatever the situation may be. They've abused me. I just want out. So we have irreconcilable differences. You're very correct in that, assi- in that assessment, uh, uh, very astute of you. Uh, I don't know exactly what year that transitioned. And of course, whether we want to admit it or not, we don't live in one country. We live in 50 little countries. Right. And in divorce, each little state or you know country has their own laws, guidelines, processes. But overall, yes, um, there are many different caveats of the process. And one of them is that you no longer have to find what's known as fault. I think there's two states still left that require that. Please don't quiz me as to what they are. I forget. I'm not an attorney. Mm -hmm. Um, Some say I should have been, but uh, let's just go right over that one, my dear. (laughs) Um, So in a fault situation back in the day, when you filed, you had to explain to the court what your justification or rationale or reason was why you were requesting a divorce. You couldn't just say because he's a son of a bee or she's a blank, you know, forgive my French, but that that's kind of the tone, right, of how that would be worded um, in, in other terms. Um, and yes, uh, addiction, abuse, abandonment, and adultery are the four A's. And those are the, the, the traditional uh, reasons why people would file for a divorce when they were the plaintiff. Now, the person that's the respondent has an opportunity to now say, that's not true, right? They don't just get found guilty for those things for being uh, accused of those things. But those days are pretty much gone. You can, as most people do, particularly in the work I do as a private mediator, at the beginning of my um mediation agreement, when I write up an MOA, as it's called a memorandum of agreement, and I could even quickly read it to you, I write, the purpose of this memorandum of agreement is to clarify the mutually agreed upon decision that has been made between the parties for the betterment of the parties and their minor children in order to divorce amicably for the reason of irreconcilable differences. And that's all the courts really want to know, that it's uncontested, right? And that now that's a little bit of a can of worm, worms, too, because if you can't be a little bit pregnant, you can't be a little bit divorced, <laughs> you can't be a little bit amicable, to right. get my point, right? So, yeah, I don't mean to bring a few controversial subjects in, but you get no, the no, idea. No, no, absolutely. I need you to give them the whole ball of wax. Absolutely. So if, because right, it's so a lot. If you're 99% in agreement, April, guess what? It's contested. Mm. You have to be 100% congruent of your agreement. Now, that's that's where someone like I come in and we take that one percent or that 90 percent in some cases and we work through those issues one by one step by step slowly at their pace because when you litigate you are now at the mercy of a judge to make your decision for you that knows nothing about your relationship that has no emotional attachment but they are going by the letter of the law that's their job they're a judge yeah, and ignorance is nine-tenths of the law, brains. 
You don't know what you don't know. And you're already full of emotion. You know, you're crying, you're angry, you're arguing, you're trying to deal with the children. But that's what I want to talk about. I want to talk about your most valuable asset is the children. Yeah. Right. You know, who's going to stay with dad? Are you going to be there once a week? Who's going to pay for childcare? Who's going to pick them up? I've got a, a friend of mine, the husband moved right down the street. So that he could be close to the children. He could pick the, the kids up from school. I've got another friend of mine, her and her husband. He took the top half. She took the bottom half. They still live together. It just depends on where you are. And your maturity level, brains. <laughs> okay? Because yeah. in divorce, nobody is going to be a winner. No. And what happens in that situation and kudos to those people that you know that were able to split a home amicably, respectfully, kindly, with some compassion and respect for one another and the children. Because when it comes down to the children, uh, you know, you really have to understand that the children's mindset is I am 50% parent A and 50% parent B. And if parent A says bad things about parent B and parent B says bad things about parent A, and I'm just using the term bad, but you know, whatever that is, the child now feels 100% bad because of, well, if you say that and you say that, then what am I? Now, if one parent is always saying positive things, even if they're not believing them, you know, the child is hearing a message of, gee, mom and dad are, you know, one of them is doing the best and vice versa. But it's when, so now in that situation, that child feels 50% bad, right? Because they hear that mixed message of this parent is very angry or vindictive or resentful of the other parent. And the other parent might say, you know, it's time to go spend some time with, you know, parent B. And the, and the child hears that message of, hey, so mom and dad aren't living together. And that that's not ideal or what I would have liked as a child. But you know what? They're both happy and they're both content and they're both thriving. And I get to spend time with both of them. And when I do, it's positive time. It's those parents that are butting heads and competing, uh, calling it a big- Using the child as the pawn. You know, yeah. I see mothers, oh, well, you can't see your father because they didn't pay child support. Well, you know, he didn't sign up to sign up for a check when you had the baby. You are denying them an opportunity. Sometimes it's financial. Sometimes they think they can harm you. But I always say, God blesses the child that's got his own. Mm. I have been married 39 years. I told him from day one, I'm going to keep about that much extra just for me in reserve. Emotionally, my mother always taught me, <clears throat> have you your own money? Mm. You know, in case something happens, not just divorce, but what if your husband got ill? You might have to be the breadwinner. Mm -hmm. You know, uh, if you have to regroup and re-strategize and replan your life. You leave with nothing contingent upon what this third-party judge has to say and makes a decision eight years later. What are you going to do in the meantime? Right. You know, in between time, you are still beholden emotionally to that individual. I know a lot of women <clears throat> still say, 
my ex-husband, my ex-husband. What I encourage them to do is call him by his name. When you use that term husband, there's still an association there. Right. There's still an association. You know, me and Bob are no longer together. Bob's gotten remarried. Bob's doing this or whatever. Give that person a name and then you can disassociate that word of husband and wife because it becomes so belittling and bitter. You know, my ex-husband, my ex-wife, or my baby's daddy, or, or, or you know, my baby's, my baby's mother. It's just so encapsulating. It's right. a big container. And you keep pouring yourself into that, never allowing an escape hatch. You are the author of two great books. Do you have those books there? We want to see them. Uh, well, uh, this one is uh, The Better Divorce Blueprint. This is a 307-page book that pretty much walks you through A to Z. The first three chapters are contemplating divorce. The fourth and the fifth uh, are a uh, fourth, fifth, and sixth are the middle of it, the meat of it, getting through the process. And chapters seven and eight are after changing your name, dating, your career, and not to digress a bit, but you mentioned the money. And, you know, unfortunately, many women are lucky enough, I hate that term, but we're just going to use it for the minute, to be awarded child support and maybe alimony, but it doesn't last forever. And you have to have a plan B, ladies, right? So this is important. Once those children are emancipated and child support comes to an end and alimony isn't forever, um, you know, even in those lifetime situations. So um, do know that. So be very careful about the finances. And then this is the workbook. It's a hardcover 197 page book that I wrote that helps you work through the mindset. It, it's all the strategies and the checklists and all the preparation that you need in order to have a successful, better, easier divorce, better divorce blueprint. Well, that is amazing. I want, uh, Brave, if you are contemplating divorce, consciously uncoupling, whatever, however you want to paint the picture, this is something that you need to consider because there's a couple things I want to dial back on that you said. I love the fact that give it a second chance, give it a second thought. Sometimes things are just, you know, off the rail and you want out. I get it. But if you can step back, go through counseling, through your clergy, don't go to your in-laws. <laughs> They've got their own opinion. Go and work with someone like Paulette. It's very, very uh, important because it gives you an opportunity to really kind of weigh out and, and drill down deep to what are the real issues there. It may not be what you think. There's a lot of people now with very mature relationships where they're open relationships. Maybe sex is not the deal breaker. Maybe you are open enough to walk the journey with someone that's had addiction. Maybe you are, um, you know, just willing to say, let me give it one more try. Let me go back and think about those vows that we took to commit. So yeah. that's really important. Paulette, there is a cost to doing business, be that with your business business or the business of relationships. In relationship and in uh, in comparison to the 
working directly with an attorney and working with you. Give us just a blanket amount of, of the cost savings that people can generate uh, by working with you. Sure. Well, if you compare private mediation to the litigation process, and again, not everyone can privately mediate. So be careful you understand that. If you're litigating, you have to look at an hourly rate of an attorney. And the national average is somewhere between $350 an hour to about $600 an hour. Now, I know that's a big range, but we're talking about everywhere from California to New York, like East Coast to West Coast. So what is that an average of? $475, $500 an hour. And attorneys charge in six to 10 minute increments. So an email back and forth is about $175. $175 to send an email and get a response. That's an average, maybe you know, a little less, a little more. So you can see how that retainer gets used quickly besides all the dis discovery. Now, if you compare that to private mediation, through my years of experience, I've broken it down into three buckets, simple, standard, and super. Simple takes one month. You have 30 days to work with me. You have two four-hour mediation sessions, including soft communication back and forth via email. Uh, sometimes text messaging is uh, more efficient. And I charge $29.50 for that. If you need me for three months, it's $49.50. And if you need me for six months, which is rare, but some people need that, it's $99.50. But let's say you're a simple mediation client and both parties come to me and they're willing to and want and crave and desire avoiding litigation. As a private mediator, I am a neutral party that facilitates a conversation where both of them are involved in the outcome and creating that memorandum of understanding. It's signed and then becomes a memorandum of agreement. So for that $3,000, they, they receive all of my time and attention, eight hours of mediation. If they need more, they can add it. It isn't a double cost. But most of the time, 99% of the time, people do not need more if they're following the simple standard uh, one-month, 30-day protocol. Now, most states have a filing fee. It's about $250. And then transactional attorneys that write up uncontested, amicable divorce uh, paperwork to submit with the court, they're going to range, but somewhere between $1,000 and $2,000 is what an uncontested uh, attorney fee would be. So somewhere between four dollars and $5,000, and that's normally shared between the couple, right? So whether that be $2,000 each or $2,500 each, What's great about that is neither party ever has to step foot in a courtroom. Uh, they have a private experience that they control. It's confidential and completely, uh, the process is completely legal. It holds water in court and they can walk away from that experience knowing that they, they conducted themselves with grace, wisdom, and dignity. You also indicated something that was important that you have in your book is the dating process. Regaining a sense of self, who you are, getting rid, getting rid of the jealousy and the animosity. Hey, look, some people are serial cheaters. They just like doing whatever it is they do. 
that has nothing to necessarily do with you. You are not less than, you are enough. You are a beautiful soul. So getting back in the thralls of that, the world of dating is so different now. All of this online stuff. <laughs> I have no idea to even what these websites look like. But again, having that value, regaining the trust, regaining the uh, ability to flirt and date, but also introducing your children and the other spouse to this person. I looked at some celebrity couples I work in Hollywood and they put in their actual divorce decree that they had to be committed six months to another relationship before they introduce that person to their children. What does six months mean? It could be six months and one day and then they act a fool. So what does that look like and how do you reintroduce that? So that's very, very important that you included that. And I, I commend you on that. The world of marriage is different now. <laughs> Same sex marriages. Sure. Yeah. It was, you know, it was a, a, a big attention. Right. But it's a brave new world. But I just, you know, me, and I'm saying this snarkily brains. I just couldn't imagine two women getting a divorce. Oh, what a cat fight. <laughs> well, I I have done both uh, single, you know, same sex, same sex marriage divorces. Um, and I, I don't know that the men are any better than the, the, the mm. women. Don't be offended, everybody. It's a personal thing. Right, right. And getting ready to jump back into the pool post-divorce if, if you want some professional advice, do not get back into the game before you've done your own inner work. Uh, now, I'm not saying you can't have dinner with someone or, you know, I'm not saying you have to lock yourself in the house. But it is vital that you don't just run back out there um seeking connection, companionship, and a new partner before you feel that you know why your divorce happened, what worked in the relationship, what didn't work in the relationship. So you don't repeat the same mistake. I am the one professional in the world that I tell my clients, I never want a repeat client. If you call me in five years and say, Paulette, I'm sorry to say, but I think I need you again. I'm going to be really angry with myself, feeling like I didn't help you learn the lesson. Uh, now, things happen and, you know. Right. And you know what? Different. You can't teach the lesson of love. No, you can't. And, and situations happen and people are in love with being in love. True. There are people that, you know, can't be without someone and have to be married. You see people that have been married for my brother was married, but four or five times. I'm like, you know, really? Uh, and, and you're drained at that point. I'm sorry. That was just, yeah. No, 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 no. Yeah. I get it. It drained at that point. After, if I broke up after 39, 40 years, I don't know. I think that I would just really have a boyfriend, but you don't know where you're going to be at that point. Right. It, it's a matter of really preparing yourself enough to know that, in, in marriage number two or marriage number three or marriage number five with your brother that um, maybe they learned a lesson or two about choosing 
the, the next partner a little wiser about someone that really they can be more connected with. And there isn't, you know, what did we say? Opposites attract, but really making sure that you learn the lesson, because if we keep repeating the same mistake, it is the definition of insanity. And divorce is painful, expensive, lengthy, and to just do it for the heck of it. Uh, I would much rather you just enjoy dating. Exactly. So tell my brains how to get in contact with you, how to work with you, if you have any online courses, any offering, because you are a wealth of information. We could talk about this for hours and the whole psychology, again, behind it. It's the mindset brains, just like we talk about everything else. It's how you set your mind. It's what you allow. What are you willing to give up? That's what you have to consider, too, because, like I said, there's no winners in this. So what are you willing to relinquish to keep your peace of mind? How are you able to negotiate and watch the language that comes out of your mouth to protect your children? You've got to be real with them. That's my whole thing. You know, if, if daddy was doing something at a particular time, you know, or mama was doing something at a particular time, we'll have that conversation. But that's not the the conversation that we're going to have all the time and also the trickery of you get a court order and then you're going to do everything and deviate everything uh towards your direction outside of what this document has you know mandated you to do there's consequences for that brains yes yes you don't want to be found in contempt and then have additional hearings, court appearances, legal fees, and repercussions because you just didn't feel like following the order. It's not an option. This is really uh, a, a legal binding contract as is marriage and so is divorce. So there are consequences to not following it. Um, the best way to find me is to email me at Paulette at betterdivorceacademy.com. Tell me that you listen to this interview, this episode, and that you're in need of either chatting, advice, assessment, counseling, consulting, coaching, whatever word you want to throw out there. Um, And let's see if we can help you manage a plan to get clear on your next step. But if you're not quite ready for that and you're just wanting to learn more about me, go to betterdivorceacademy.com. My book is Better Divorce Blueprint, the book and the workbook. They're both available on Amazon, of course. And um, I'm all over the place. So I put myself out there to help solve divorce. Well, you are a, a gift. You really are because you're taking the guesswork out of it. You're helping people navigate. She is really trying to reduce your stress, brains, save you some money, and give you a clear roadmap so that you can release, renew, refresh, and revise. So we are hoping for all of that and then some here on The Edge. Paulette, you are um, a beautiful soul, and I thank you so much for being here on The Edge. Brains, I'm looking for my postcard here because you know I need you to like, love, share, and subscribe. Go in, take a look, 
get a copy of Paulette's book. I think that that would be great because then you can have an informed conversation. You can go through the workbook and tick the boxes. You can, again, go and find out where all the bodies are buried. But also it gives you an opportunity to look and reflect and say, you know what, is this something that I really want to do? And if this is what I really want to do, this is what I need to do to make it successful and, you know, as pain-free as possible. So thank you so much for being on the edge with me, Paulette. You are really the business. An honor. Thank you. All right. Bye, brains. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Don't you love an extra $100 in your pocket? Have a TurboTax expert file your taxes for you by March 31st to get $100 back instantly. Because no matter what moves you made last year, TurboTax makes them count. That means getting $100 back and 100% accurate taxes only from Intuit TurboTax. Must file by 331. Credit only applicable to federal filing fees with TurboTax full service. Offer can be modified or terminated at any time. 